Don't you love it when the preacher knows what he's supposed to be doing? <clears throat> no, when all the pieces come together of something you're working on, you're planning a, a trip, and it all comes together. Isn't it great? You get, you're studying and you've got note cards everywhere, uh, uh, generally accepted accounting principles are all over the place and you're trying to pull it all together, organic chemistry, uh, the, the, the circle of fifths, and it's all over and, and you don't, none of it makes sense. And then all of a sudden, it kind of all comes together. It's a very rewarding feeling. This year, the pieces are all coming together around the cross of Jesus. Cross piece. You uh, have available to you, if you haven't taken one yet, one of these wooden crosses. Please take one if you haven't. Each week you get a different piece to put on it. Last week, the rooster, I have learned that that rooster's head is easily broken off. So I, I, what I've done is glued the base to uh, the base of the rooster to the base of the cross. And uh, super glue works on the rooster's head too. And then tonight, though, tonight, the piece around your cross is a sword from Luke 22. While Jesus was still speaking, a crowd came up and the man who was called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He approached Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus asked him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? When Jesus' followers saw what was going to happen, they said, Lord, should we strike with our swords? And one of them, and we know it was Peter, struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his right ear. But Jesus answered, no more of this. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. Well, by this time, Peter had been with Jesus for three years. He knew what Jesus had come to do. Rescue sinners. Bring the kingdom of God to earth, to people's lives. And he knew how he was going to do that too. Jesus had told them that night, earlier that night. He was going to be betrayed and beaten and crucified. And yet Peter drew his sword because he thought, I got a better way. I know how to do this, Jesus. And when he drew his sword, Peter demonstrated that he didn't understand. Well, he didn't understand at least three different things. One, he didn't understand that Jesus had come to fix what was wrong, what separated people from God and he was going to do it by, by a great reversal, by a, a substitution, by an exchange. Peter thought it would be by his sword. And you know, there is a place for swords. I suppose there's a place where we use weapons. Military uh, services of a country use weapons to defend a country or, you know, maybe try to make right injustice somewhere in the world. Um, law authorities, law enforcement, use weapons. Otherwise, this, this world and our culture would be absolute chaos. They use weapons to protect people. 
And, and yet for all that, we, everybody knows there's some things for which weapons just won't work. At least not those kinds of weapons. We all want an answer to why there's uh, pain in this world, why there's grief, and trouble, and heartache. We all want to help someone who's just constantly shooting himself or herself in the foot. You know, just making life miserable where it wouldn't have to be. We all want that. We all, we all want people to be kind to one another. And yet, none of, our, none of our abilities, none of our weapons work. Our, our, our best education, our, our, our intelligence, our best intentions, putting out yard signs that say, be kind. It doesn't work. It's almost as useless as Peter drawing his sword and thinking that by that action, he's going to do what Jesus came to do. He thought he was saying, look, Jesus, I'm going to fix this. And Jesus said as much as said, Peter, I didn't come to bring judgment. I came to bear the judgment of sin. I didn't come to wield a sword. I came to take the sword in me. That's the great reversal. Back in Genesis 3, in the first part of the Bible, there's the record of God creating perfect people who lived with him in perfect unity, but when they decided they would be their own lords, they were no longer allowed to live in that perfect garden, and God ejected them. And do you remember what he did then? Not only did he cast them out of the garden, but he put at the entrance to the garden an angel wielding a flaming sword. Yeah. As if to say now, you can't get back in unless you go through the sword. Jesus comes to earth. And he takes the sword in himself so that you can be back in. Peter thought, no, it's my sword, but he really misunderstood that. He misunderstood the great reversal that was taking place. There was something else that Peter misunderstood. He showed when he pulled his sword that he didn't understand how deeply humanity had changed since the time when God made it without sin. See, um, Peter was demonstrating, we, we tend to see good people and bad people. And the message of this book is, no, there are only sinful people who need Jesus and the sacrifice he was making. And when you understand that, when you really get that, I was so bad it took the sacrifice of the Son of God to forgive me. And I am so loved that the Son of God himself was willing to do that so that I could be with him. When you really get that, you can't feel superior to anyone again. 
can't look down your nose at other people who aren't like you. Can't say, I'm the good one. You're the bad one. Not when you become convinced that we're all sinners in need of what Jesus has done. You can't say, I'm the kind of person the world would be better off with if more people were like me and you're the kind of person that makes the world stink. Not anymore. Not once you know that what Jesus came to do, he didn't just do for you. He did for everyone else too. You know, there's some benefit to having a liberal mindset. Until that mindset leads you to begin to think, you know, there's so many narrow-minded and bigoted people in this world. I'm so glad I'm not one of them. In other words, I'm the solution, you're the problem. There's some benefit to a conservative mindset. Until <clears throat> it leads a person to begin to think what this world needs is more people like me with my traditional values and my virtue, I'm the solution, and other people are the problem. You just can't think that way once you see that Jesus is the only solution that everybody needs. Once you understand, like Peter didn't, it's not that there are good and bad, it's just that there are sinners who need Jesus. That's the, that's the truth of this book, I'm the problem. Jesus is the solution. And when the Spirit drives that more deeply and deeply into our hearts, well, then even those people with whom you disagree, you look for ways to love and even respect and somehow honor and sometimes screw up your courage so you can tell someone the truth they need to hear. That Jesus is the one who brings peace. And he did it by his sacrifice, not our sword. That's what humanity needs. When Peter drew his sword, third thing, he demonstrated that he just didn't get it. That the way to change people was not with coercive force, but with sacrificial service. Here, verse 51. Jesus touched the man's ear and healed him. We're never told why. That's, that's all it is, really. It's a very simple little line. But we don't have to be told why to have a pretty good guess, right? Read through the Gospels, study Jesus' life, and you know why he healed a man who was bleeding out and hurting. He had compassion on people. Jesus spent his whole life Demonstrating compassion. And so that's what he was doing here, but, but not just to one man. Jesus was showing sacrificial service. He was demonstrating compassion to two people. Yes, the servant, 
who, who may have been, uh, because he was there, may have been some high-ranking servant or a servant of an official. And when, when Peter drew his sword to cut off his ear, well, when Peter drew his sword and cut off his ear, what was he aiming for? It wasn't his knee. It was his head. He's going to make him pay. But it would have been just contradictory for Jesus to say, yeah, get him, Peter. Make him pay. They might take me, but we're going to take one of them too. You know why it would have been totally contradictory? To say, make him pay? Because in, what was Jesus about to do? Go to a cross to pay for that servant. Make him pay? Make you pay? No. No, that, that totally contradicts what Jesus was doing. He was going to pay the price of sin. And he did. So yeah, Jesus was showing compassion to that one guy, but there's a second person Jesus showed compassion to. Peter. Because late, later that day, night, or the next day, or the next week, Peter would have lived in constant fear of hearing a knock on his door. Are you the one who cut off this servant's ear? We've come for you. He was aiming for his head, remember? He was trying to kill him. Now you're going on trial. And maybe he's going on trial for his life. And he knew that. And he'd spend the rest of his life looking over his shoulder waiting for that. But here's Jesus' compassion. When he healed the man, healed his ear, he removed all the evidence. Nobody could charge Peter with anything. Peter was going to learn a lesson from Jesus, not just about compassion, but about change that would come through sacrificial service, not coercive force. The way this world we live in tries to change people is through coercive force. Hey, there's an election coming up in November, right? Big one. Who are you going to vote for? Don't, no, don't, don't say. That was rhetorical. We don't want to know. Well, maybe we want to. I don't want to know. Right? But we care because that person who's in power has coercive power, can get other people to act in ways that we demand other people act. It's a pretty big deal. That's the way the world sees. That's how you bring about change. Coercive force. But who ever changed more people than Jesus? He changed more people than anyone else in the history of the world. He influenced and influences more people than anyone else. And he never won an election. He never commanded an army. 
Never even had much money. But he sacrificed himself, God and man. And that sacrificial service has drawn us to him. That's why we're here tonight. It gives us peace to know what God has done to bring us back together with him. Not a sword, but a cross. Peace through that cross. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the peace that we enjoy. Peace we could have through no other kind of weapon or force or means on this earth. It took you and it took your cross. And on account of it, we rest tonight at peace with God and we pray that we might even because of it be at peace with one another. We join in Luther's evening prayer. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have graciously kept me this day. Forgive me all my sins and graciously keep me this night. Into your hands I commend my body and soul and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the wicked foe may have no power over me. Amen. In the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all.